0: Imagine what it'd be like Heaven, Marty, get to sing with Andre, right? And told them that they have them a little spot Like those pickers and singers in Nashville do On the sides of the street Marty and Andre be on the side of the river of life, right? Right there by some jasper walls Some gates of pearls Some streets of gold there will be a whole lot of singing in heaven Don't y'all know it's gonna be a singing place? But you know, y'all be happy to know this There won't be any preaching there It would be over. I've all thought about that. You know, no preaching there. And all of what we have believed, looked forward to, and believed by faith will become sight. And thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift of salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ that makes it possible for us to have the hope and assurance as a child of God of a home in heaven. Daniel chapter 9, I mean, you're probably already there, if not, go ahead and turn there with us. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, it'll be on the screen there uh, in front of you and behind me, and we're going to look at the first three verses today, and as I told you, we took the um, the large part of Daniel's prayer, the 19 verses, did a survey last week, and we're going to come back and take this thing, I had told them earlier, you know, I, I'm a uh, uh, oldest daughter Caitlin she's a science teacher and her favorite class to teach is biology and you know she loves it when they get to do labs I used to like labs I did I like burning stuff and bending stuff you remember when we had been glass that's the first lab I remember doing when we opened the new school that is now 35 36 years old uh, that that don't help much anyhow when we got in there and we had Bunsen burners that was my favorite we bend glass and and burn stuff you know and uh, but told them I, the dissecting I was okay till uh, they got to the cat and uh, I just I couldn't dig dig that you know I had the cat on the table for like six weeks you know they just, the cat dead cat in a long time right and I just knew I couldn't do it so it wasn't for me I know I wasn't supposed to be a vet or a funeral director and I praise God for those who can do both but anyhow uh, you know we're gonna do some dissecting is my point we're gonna dissect a little bit today, and then we'll go further, Lord willing, in the weeks to come through this prayer, because I really believe the words of this prayer have the ability to really change how we communicate with God. Daniel chapter 9, verse 1, if you found your place physically able, stand with me, honor reverence to the reading of God's word. We'll read these first three verses, and then we'll pray and ask the Lord to bless our efforts and bless our, our, our presentation of the gospel today, and pray that... We leave here changed by being around God's Word. Here's what the Bible says. Daniel chapter 9, verse 1 says, In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through the prophet Jeremiah, that he would accomplish seventy years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Then you ought to underline these words in the Bible. Then I set my face toward the Lord God. Wow, look, just think for me. Let that simmer in your soul. Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplication, by fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, we pray God that we be faithful to your word today. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God, my strength and my redeemer. Father, may my heart be pure, may the message be clear, and may my motives be pure today. And may people be changed today by the power of the word of God. We're going to give you praise and glory for that in Christ's name. Amen and amen. Thank you. Be seated. When we talk about the subject of prayer, there's a whole lot of stuff out there, a lot of great resources that I could recommend to you that you could read, help you uh, enhance your communication with God. But I tell you, the best way you enhance your communication with God is just simply by talking to Him and listening to Him, doing what He says for you to do. I like what Corey Ten Boom said where she said this. She said, Don't pray when you feel like it, but have an appointment with God and keep, that appointment uh, it's amazing why we have lots of appointments in our world today we make appointments you know we're all at some point gonna make an appointment with a doctor and we know that when we make an appointment with a doctor it doesn't matter what time the appointment is we better be on time but the doctor doesn't have to be if y'all notice that have a 930 appointment and you see him about lunchtime you know and he everything's good but you have to do that if you miss your appointment and you don't call in time they'll send you a bill for not showing up <laughs> So anyhow, I had a friend that did that one time, and he was all upset. But nevertheless, that's the way it goes. But When you make an appointment with God, here's what you can be sure of, is that he always keeps the appointment you make with him. He's always there. He's not late. He's an on-time, in-time God. Daniel, certainly a man who had an appointment with God. He did that, and he kept those appointments even to the point of when he was at risk of his own life by staying true to communicating with God. Uh, he took to heart what the psalmist said in Psalm 55, 17, where he said, Evening, morning, and at noon, I will pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. He set his face and his heart and his mind toward Jerusalem, but he did that geographically. But spiritually, his heart, mind, and face was set toward God. And he called on God three times a day, even when he knew that his life was in danger. You know, in America today, most people stop praying for a whole lot less. Daniel knew that the very communication with God was lifeblood to his soul. And if he had to live without having communication with God, then he'd rather be with him than to live here without hearing from him. Bill Gotthard, who wrote the book, The Power of Crying Out, it's a little small booklet that I've learned so much from about prayer and communication with God. He said this, he said, In moments of fear, anxiety, and trouble, and could we agree that there's a lot of fear in our nation today, there's a lot of anxiety in our nation, there's a lot of trouble in our nation, so we don't have to wait till this time comes, we're there. He said, in moments of fear, anxiety, and trouble, the right steps toward experiencing God's powerful deliverance and protection is to simply cry out. He said to cry out means to use our voice in fervent appeal for God's help. Uh, Think about it. It's not like you have to learn a bunch of fancy words or any of that kind of stuff, but just simply cry out to God with the voice that he's given you in a fervent appeal, asking for God to help him, I remember once when I was just very small, I'd gotten into a building at my grandmother's house, and I don't know how I got in, but the, the, the way to get out was very narrow. And uh, even though I was much smaller then than today, I remember trying to get out of that little opening of that little pump house or whatever it was. And I remember putting my legs through there and I remember getting my hips through there and I remember turning my shoulders and getting... But then <laughs> I couldn't get my head out. <laughs> I remember this, if it's, it's clear. A- and I remember what it felt like, uh, you know, to have the boards pressing on both sides trying to get my head out. So that means my head was bigger than anything else on me then I guess but nevertheless I remember getting stuck and I I remember doing what you do (laughs) help right I need help Uh, thankfully somebody heard me and they got me out or I'd probably (laughs) I'd probably still be there but anyhow uh, we all know what it's like to be in a time of distress and need help so we read about that in Daniel's life because keep in mind chronologically this event his prayer in channel, chapter 9 takes place before the lion's den in chapter 6. In order to be prepared for the lion's den moments of your life, you're going to have to have time before God to be able to stay true to the Lord during those times. You've heard me say this to our church several times, of course, the last few years. Is There's a difference between being a church that prays and a praying church. I believe God wants us to be a praying church and not just a church that randomly prays, but really a church that cries out to God with one mind, one heart, and one voice. And I believe the content of Daniel's prayer can help move us. It can move us as individuals and it can move us as a body from just being a church that prays to a church that is really a praying church. One, that is has a heart for the things of God. So I talked to you last week about the priority of a prayer warrior as we surveyed this prayer. What an awesome, heartfelt cry of the heart we read from Daniel. But today as we look at just the first portion of that, I want us to not just see the priority of a prayer warrior, I want us to see his heart. I want us to really see the heart that he had for God and what caused him to be who he was and the things that molded and shaped him into the prayer warrior that he was. If you remember last week, I gave you six principles, and we're going to talk about the first two of those today, okay? I gave you six principles to intimate communication with God. And listen to me. As earthly parents, we love to hear from our children, don't we? We love to hear their voice, especially when they're away from us. I mean, when I mean I remember probably the most the, the most terrifying moments of my life as a parent was when I watched my children drive away for the first time without me anybody with me y'all remember that I mean it is really scary and I, you, these kids they'll be there soon and, and and I'm telling you it's really scary I remember Caitlin's first venture she she wanted to go somewhere by herself she was ready to spread her wings and fly from the nest so she was going to go to Walmart and uh, that was even really more terrifying it's more terrifying now than it would have been then but I remember watching her drive away and her little Honda down the street thinking wow how did this happen so fast you know we love to hear from our children and I want you to know your heavenly father loves to hear from you and as a child you ought to love to hear from him amen So let's talk about these two principles and let's dive into them just a little deeper today. Our first principle we talked about was from verses 1 and 2 and it's simply this. The intimate communication with God is directly linked to our devotion to read, study, and apply God's Word. There is a direct link between our reading, studying, and application of God's Word that has so much to do with our communication. With him. It's important that we don't miss that at all. Notice what was going on with Daniel. During the first year of Darius's reign, he begins to understand by the books of the number of years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet. What was he doing? He's reading the words of the prophecy of Jeremiah. And even though the Old Testament in that day was not divided by chapters and verses like you and I enjoy today he was reading probably from either what we would know to be chapter 25 or chapter 29 that prophesied about the years of desolation of God's people years of captivity being 70 years we know that Daniel came into captivity as a teenager and Bible scholars tell us that at this point in his journey he has been in Babylon about 67 years. Uh, I can imagine how his heart was pricked, how his heart was touched, and how uh, motivated he was by reading Jeremiah's words and how he knew that very soon that time of captivity would end and that there would be an opportunity for his people to go back to Judah. Can imagine how exciting that was for him? And how you and I when we read words about the second coming of Christ and we know how that the Lord will call us to meet him in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord those words encourage and inspire us to remember that even though it gets dark the light is about to shine forth brighter than we've ever seen when we behold him and see him as he is. So let's talk about those three components if you will reading, studying, and application of God's Word, and how they directly link us to better communication with God. Notice with me as we talk about the reading, that reading God's Word makes us aware of God's presence. Sometimes, as children of God, we can, even though, thank God we live in the day of grace, Thank God we live in the days on the other side of Pentecost. Thank God we live in the days where the Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, literally indwells and resides within the heart of every believer. I don't know about you. I'm grateful for that. Grateful for his presence, power, his promise, his provision, and all those P words, right? I'm so grateful for them. But can you imagine in Daniel's day, Here he is, and he is reading the words of the prophet Jeremiah, and is bringing confirmation to his heart and mind that God is going to do just what he said he's going to do. Amen? Well, think about the times in your life. Think about the first time that the Word of God really became real, alive, and powerful in your life. Think about the first time you realized just how important this book is not just to you, not just to your church, but to all of mankind that we would embrace its truth. Well, we read many times in Scripture where the Lord affirms that to us, but there's another good example from the book of 2 Kings chapter 22. In the book of 2 Kings chapter 22, there's the story of a boy king who, be, be, who rises to the throne. He's eight years old. He's in charge. He's reigning over Judah, and his name is Josiah during the time of his reign, they go into the house of the Lord. They go back to that place. And when they go there, they discover the book of the law. The book of the law being the first five books of your Old Testament. And when they discovered those, the Bible says they took the words and they read them. And then when they read them, they took the word and they read them to the king. And in verse 11 of chapter 22 of 2 Kings, it said, It happened when the king heard the words of the book of the law that he tore his clothes. He fell under conviction when he heard the words of judgment that was coming because of rebellion in the hearts of God's people. Uh, Tearing of the clothes or renting of the clothes, as some translations say, was a symbolism of humility and repentance toward God. And when he did that, the king and the high priest, they all came together and, and, and they made some decisions. That, you know, they were going to go inquire of the Lord for the people and all of Judah concerning the words of this book that's been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is aroused against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of the book to do according to all that is written concerning us. Josiah was falling under deep conviction because his heart was broken over the rebellion of the people. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you it's important that you get a steady diet of this book. It's important that you don't put it on your shelf or your coffee table or under a rug or under your pillow or whatever. It doesn't work like that. You need to take the Word of God, let the Word of God sink deep into your soul, and let the Word of God change who you are, amen? It will affect you, and it will make you aware of the presence and the activity of God all around you. But there's a second thing, not only the reading, but notice about the studying of the Word of God. See, when we study the Word of God, it makes us available for His purpose. See, it's one thing to receive truth. It's another thing to allow that truth to affect who you are and the decisions you make. So important you understand that. In the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 2, we read the story where Paul is writing to young Timothy. Man, when I read Timothy's story, when I read about what the things Paul said to him, I am so grateful that God put Paul in Timothy's life. Do you know why? Can you imagine where Timothy might have ended up had it not been for the mentorship and the care and the concern and the love that Paul had for him? Paul had so much love for him that he even referred to him as his son. He loved him so much, and he imparted so much wisdom to him. And in 2 Timothy chapter 2, he begins to tell him the importance of the studying and the diligence to read and absorb the Word of God. See, it's one thing just to read it. It's another thing to really discover the meaning of what's there and let it affect your life. He said, Timothy, he said, you need to study. Some translations say be diligent. This one I'm reading says be diligent, but it also says study. It means the same thing. He says study to show yourself approved unto God well I tell you this is something that helps me so much I shared in the early service how once years back when I was attending New Orleans Seminary in Atlanta we'd go on Monday and we'd get there about 9 o'clock and we'd be there to the 10 o'clock Monday night it was a long day after Sunday and all that he really tested your resolve to do that and there was another this was back when I was a younger pastor and there was another younger pastor with him and he began to you know we, we had an <clears throat> older seasoned pastor that was leading our class and He began to talk with him, and there was a small group of us in this particular class. Some of them were large. This was a smaller group. And he said, Doc, he said, sometimes he said, man, I get so discouraged. Sometimes I go to my study, and I pray, and I read, and I study, and I write, and I type, and I do all these different things. I get everything ready. I believe God's put in my heart. And I really go, and I share with the people what God has taught me, and it seems as though it doesn't move them one bit. He says, I get discouraged because it seems like it's just falling upon deaf ears. He said, what should I do? How do I keep from getting discouraged? And I'll never forget, Doc looked at me he said, listen, son, the one thing you're going to have to remember, and all you boys are going to have to remember, is when you're before God in that study at your desk or on your knees with your open Bible with your pen in your hand and writing on the paper or typing on the computer whatever you're doing, When you are preparing to preach the Word of God to the people of God, never feel like you're preparing the sermon for the people. You're not preparing the sermon for the people. You're preparing the sermon for God. And when you keep it in that perspective, you realize that He ultimately is the one that you're looking to please, and He is the only one that you should be seeking His applause. Amen? Boy, it really was a help in those days. It's a reminder in these days. And can I say this to you? Whether you're singing, Marty, whether, you, whether, whether we're singing or we're preaching or whether we're teaching a Sunday school class or whatever we're doing, we're doing it for the glory of God. When you prepare that Sunday school lesson, don't care if there oh, won't nobody come, won't nobody hear, won't nobody listen. Don't ever think like that. Why? Because we're not doing it for the applause of people. We're doing it for the applause of the only one that matters who sits on the throne in glory and his name is Jehovah God. Amen. Always remember that and it will help you. It makes you available for his purpose. I was telling Rota, I'll tell you this too. Uh, uh, y- if you want to just learn some things about life and things to help you, sometimes you just got to get out there and live it. And yesterday I was, uh, <laughs> I was in one of our local retail stores. And um, the store was very busy and uh, having to wait in line. Just had one one gentleman working to register, and he was working as hard as he could. Listen, one thing you don't ever do is you don't ever give people a hard time that serve you. Are y'all all all right? Amen? Don't ever give people a hard time that serve you. I learned if I was going to make it through school, I'm going to tell you, here's what I learned to do, that I was going to have to be good friends with the custodian and the lunchroom lady. (laughs) Amen? I'm telling you what, I made friends with a lunchroom lady, and it shows. But I'm telling you, I really did. I just knew that, look here, nobody is above anybody. Y'all got me? Nobody's above anybody. Pastors, I'm no better than anybody, no whatsoever. I can't even believe that God would love me, much less save me or call me to serve him. I'm just blown away. But you know, there's a lot of people in this world that don't have that attitude. They they think they're better or whatever and they go, we, we, nevertheless. So I'm standing in line and I'm just waiting patiently and just waiting my turn. Another man's behind me. We've had a little talk little conversation. This other guy comes into line, and he's got his Dr. Peppers and his moon pies, and he looks over and he says, Hey, somebody needs to open up another register in this place. This is getting plumb ridiculous. He continues to gripe in my friend behind me that I don't even know his name, never met him before, but I can make a friend in any checkout line in America. Y'all guarantee that? i would made me a friend with this guy, don't know his name, but he turned around to that guy that was complaining, you know what he said? He said, good, you're hired. (laughs) He did. And he stood there with his moon pies and his Dr. Pepper, and he didn't know what to say for a minute or two, and he began to think of something else. He said, listen, man, he said, if you're not going to do something about it, then don't complain. Amen? See, when you study the Word of God, it helps you realize that you're here for His purpose. The reason I didn't start running the cash register is because I don't know how. I hadn't been authorized to do that. I don't know what to do. And when I got up there and finally got checked out, I said to the man, because listen to me, I knew he had heard the complaints of others. And you say, it don't matter. It hurts people when you talk like that. Amen? So I walked up to him and I said, hey man, I said, "Uh, I just want you to know you're doing a great job. He looked up at me and looked as if it just meant everything. that Somebody said something. I said, you're doing a great job. I know it's hard on you. You bear by yourself. And everybody just, you got a lot of people. I mean, it's tough. I said, I just want you to know you're doing a great job. Thank you for serving me today. Wow. It's important how you treat people that serve you. Very important. Very important. And as you study the Word of God, you realize this. I'm here for His purpose. Sometimes when we're waiting, it's because God's trying to get our attention I was reading Charles Stanley this week and he said this one of his life principles I think it's number seven he said that God allows us to stay in the dark just long enough for him to accomplish his purpose for us being there that's a paraphrase of it, but that's basically what he meant is that he lets us be in the dark places of life he puts us in the waiting room which we don't like to be in the waiting rooms we don't like to do that. Nobody. I don't know of any of you tomorrow that's going to wake up and say, Man, I have not waited much lately. I think I'll go to every doctor's office in town and just spend some time in the waiting room. Nobody does that. If you do, please see me after church. We can get you some counseling. I mean, nobody does that. Nobody goes and hangs out in the waiting room. But sometimes we're there because there's a reason for us to be there. I don't like it any more than you do. But when we understand the waiting is not for our detriment, but it is to help us to fulfill the purpose of God in our life, then our time in the waiting room is not so bad. We read the Word of God to make us aware. We study the Word of God to make us available. And thirdly, we apply God's Word, which makes us agents of perseverance. I don't know about you, but I'd say Daniel was a man of perseverance. You know what helped him with his perseverance? is He was faithful to communicate with God. The times that I struggle with perseverance, and I'm sure you do too, is the times that I can see my communication with God is not as healthy as it all to be. Because he helps encourage us. He helps us. You know, Marty, music helps me. Does music help you, Marty? Helps me so much. It really does. And, and, and you know, and sometimes it's words of song that bring encouragement to my soul. I sing this little chorus to myself all the time. You know that spirit of the living God fall fresh on me. You know that one, Marty? Uh, Take me, mold me, fill me, use me. Spirit of the living God fall fresh on me. Do y'all know that chorus? Y'all don't want me to teach it to you. I know, but anyhow, I'm just saying, I sing that. And then the the other part of that says, Lord, we need a fresh anointing. We cannot borrow from yesterday. Come and feed us, O Holy Spirit. Teach us of Jesus, His will, and His way. And then I'll sing that chorus, Holy Spirit, rain down. Rain down. Oh, comforter and friend, how we need your touch again. Holy Spirit, rain down. Let your power fall. Let your voice be heard. Come and change our hearts as we stand on your word. Oh, Holy Spirit, rain down. And I begin to sing those words of those songs, and it begins to bring comfort into my heart, and it helps me to be an agent of perseverance because here's what's happening. What I have learned from this word through reading what I have learned from this word through studying, I can then begin to apply to my life which makes a difference in the decisions I make and the way I behave. You know, there's a lot of people try to tell me over the years in ministry that their behavior has nothing to do with their beliefs. I'm just old school on this. Warren Wiersbe old school. He says this, that your beliefs will be shown in how you behave what you truly believe is demonstrated in how you behave and can i say something that really breaks my heart that in our culture today as much as god is trying to still get our attention there is still a very casual approach to the things of god in this country and it's even here in the bible Belt, and it's in our city A very casual approach, just, you know, nonchalant things of God. I'm telling you something, ladies and gentlemen, God means what He says, and He's going to do what He said He's going to do. We're fixing to find that out. In 2 Kings chapter 23, after Josiah has been affected by the reading of the Word of God, it has changed so many things about his approach to God. In chapter 23, he restores worship Of the one true God Jehovah God he said he read the book he read the entire book of the law in the hearing of all the people which had been found in the house Lord now think about this he read all five books of the Old Testament and everybody stayed is that not amazing do you remember when when, uh, Nehemiah when they finished the walls in 52 days they read the whole book of the law, and they tell us that takes about six hours. And the people stood up. A preacher gets up and reads six verses now, and there's a moan across the congregation. <laughs> oh, but the people stood up, and listen to what happened. When he finished the reading of the words of the book of the law, when Ezra the scribe stood on the pulpit of wood and read the five books of the Old Testament from six in the morning till noon, when he finished, you know what they said? Amen. No, they weren't saying, Amen, good, we can go home. They were saying, Amen, that is true, we believe it. It is absolutely the word of God, and they loved it. Oh, God, give us a hunger like those people of the Old Testament that we would hunger for the Word of God today because listen to what happened to the people in Josiah's day. 2 Kings 23.3, it says this, Then the king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord. Look here. The leader, he stood up and he made a covenant before the Lord. Here's what his covenant was. To follow the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes. Did you hear that? Stay with me, guys. Don't miss this. He made a covenant with the Lord. He said, I'm going to follow you. What am I going to do? I'm going to follow the Lord. And he said this, and then I'm going to keep something. I'm going to keep his commandments, his testimonies, his statutes. With what? With half of his heart? With a divided heart? No. He said he'd do it with all of his heart. And thus he went even further. He said, I will keep this with all my heart and soul and then to perform the words of the covenant that were written in this book. He said, I'm not just going to follow. I mean, I'm not just going to believe it. He says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to flesh it out. I'm going to perform. I'm going to apply that which you have taught me through the reading and the study of the word. Now, this is the part that just blows me away. The last part of that verse says this. And all the people took a stand for the covenant. It's hard to get all the people to stand up for right anymore. It's too easy to follow the crowd, it's too easy to go with the flow. But in Josiah's day, here's what happened when they saw the conviction of their leader. When they saw that he was willing to follow and perform what God said in his word, you know what they said? All the people stood up and they all took a stand. Golly. God give us people like that today. God give us people like that today. So your intimate communication, you chalk it up. It will be directly linked to your reading, studying, application of the word of God let me give you one other truth here today because I believe it's very important to understand the heart of Daniel the prayer warrior the second part is that intimate communication with God involves a process of preparation to enter his presence a process of preparation to enter his presence you see what he said there in verse 3 look there with me again if you will he says, then I set my face toward the Lord God. Wow. I, I don't know. I, when I was a younger pastor, I'd get nervous if it got quiet, because I felt like I wasn't doing something right, or whatever, and I, I just get, I'd start sweating more, <laughs> if that's possible. And, uh, but you know what I've learned? Sometimes it needs to get quiet. Let those words simmer into your soul for Then I set my face toward the Lord God. Oh, my. What? To make requests by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. Daniel was getting prepared to be in the presence of God. See, he understood thing. It takes keys to unlock areas that are reserved, areas that are away, and there are some keys you and I need to kind of unlock our ability to enter into the presence of God because let's just be honest, this world has a lot of background noise. Anybody, I don't know if you've ever had hearing tests. I've, I've had several of those. I, I've had difficulties with my ears all my life, and and you know get this fluid build up sometimes and it's sinus related and all this kind of and they take me up to the ENT doctor ear nose and throat doctor which means pain pain and more pain but anyhow you go to the ear nose and throat now it's not that bad but they take in this little booth and the booth is soundproof and uh they got some lights on the other side and a little monkey playing drums y'all ever had that little dance okay all right kind of neat you know you you, once you see the monkey play drums you never forget it stuck in your mind and so I'm in this booth and the lady goes into another area and then she begins to talk to me I can't see her she begins to talk and she begins to give me directions and instructions of what I need to do about raising my hand left or right yada 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 and uh, I notice as the test goes on, it gets harder, right? You know, it's a little easy to start with. It gets harder. And then they pop in a little background noise. you know, the Kind of like radio static. Kind of like, you know, the old days when we used to have rabbit ears on the TV and had tinfoil on it. We'd bend them just right to get the snow out of it so you could see the TV, the Marshall Dillon and Gunsmoke or whatever. I, I remember clear. But here's what happens. She so puts that little background noise in it to make it harder for you to hear to test your ability to hear when there's noise in the background. I was thinking about that one time when I finished one of those hearing tests and I was coming back and they do this little pressure test and they put a bunch of pressure in your ear and it felt like you're going to blow your head up and then they take it off and it feels better. And I was riding down the road and thinking, you know, maybe that's the way it happens with us sometimes in our communication with God is the background noise gets so loud that we get to where we can't hear that still small voice. That sometimes the background noise gets so loud that it inhibits our ability to clearly to hear from God. Because see, the background noise that was getting pumped into my ears through the hearing test was from uh, outside, and I want you to know, in our world today, there's a lot of background noise. There's a lot of stuff on the news. There's a lot of stuff on your internet. There's a lot of stuff on your social medias and stuff. And I told you, I didn't really know a whole lot about social media. I knew some, but not much. And then this pandemic has caused me to have to learn a lot more about it because of the communication needs to be able to communicate with our people through video and messaging and all that kind of stuff. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes it's downright discouraging. It really is. Sometimes there's so much background noise in that social media world that it will choke your ability to hear the voice of God. Please be careful. Please do it. See, there's some things we need, and there's three keys. I'm going to give them to you quickly when we're done. The first key is the key of mental clarity. It's about focus. See, it's hard to focus when all that background noise is going on. It's hard to focus when there's all these things competing for your attention. But the Bible tells us in Isaiah 26.3 that he, God, will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. Boy, that is so true. We have a hard time keeping our heart and mind stayed on him because of all the things, and we lose focus. It's easy to do, mental clarity. There's a second key, is physical concentration. Boy, I tell you, that's about direction, which direction you're praying, what really matters to you, and what your goals are. Paul told the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians 5, 9, he said this to the church, he said, therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to the Lord. Isn't that something? I don't know about you, but I definitely want to be well-pleasing to God. And then finally, there's spiritual cleansing. Spiritual cleansing. Now, I want you to hear me for a minute. Don't you stay dialed in for about the next two or three minutes because this is probably as important a part as I've talked to you about the whole day. Spiritual cleansing is very important in our life because, listen to me, we all get dirty. I can remember being, uh, I don't know, it was probably a biology 101 or 103 or whatever. It was one of those early biology classes in college years ago. And I'll never forget them showing us, you know, pictures of lungs and lungs of a coal miner and lungs of a regular person. And even a person that had no exposure to smoke or anything like that that might have Affected their lungs. E- even the healthiest person had little black deposits along their lungs when they were, you know, when their lungs were removed after their death and they were examined. Uh, examined. And you know what that was from? It was just from day to day pollution. It was just from living. It was just from things that you can't avoid because this world is fallen and broken, right? All of us have spots. All of us have things on us. All of us have impurities and all these things that we have to deal with. And the Bible gives us clearly how we can deal with that. You're all familiar with 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. You know, after Solomon it was there in the presence of God after the dedication of the temple. But sometimes we're not careful. We don't read the verses before and after to understand what all was going on. Let me just share a little bit with you about that. And It talks about spiritual cleansing. Second Chronicles chapter 7 verse 12 says then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and he said to him I've heard your prayer. Ain't you glad to know that? God hears us. He said and I have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice and then he begins to tell him how serious he is about his people being right with him. He says in verse 13 when I shut up heaven and there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people When these things happen, here's what he said we must do. He said, when that happens, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever, and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. What's he saying to us about cleansing? He's saying this. He's saying there is a responsibility on our part and that he will be faithful to reward his part. The responsibility is this. We are his people. If you're a child of God, you've been called by his name. So here's what he says you're to do. Humble yourself. How many times have we talked about humility being a personal responsibility? He said, you're to humble yourselves and pray. That means talk to him and listen to him and seek his face. He said if we do those things, here's what he said he would do. That he would hear from heaven. Ain't you glad as a child of God you can be heard in heaven? That he would hear from heaven, he would forgive our sin, and he would heal our land. Does anybody agree with me today that America needs not only a cleansing We need a healing. If we've ever needed it in my lifetime and yours, it's now. I want to share with you something that was shared with me with a friend of mine, David Franklin, who is a director of missions in Georgia, a good friend. He's a dear friend, prayer warrior. He's forgot more about prayer than I'll ever know. And he talked about a time in America's history back at the end of the 1700s, early 1800s. You know, many people believe, if they don't know their American history right, they believe that on July 4, 1776, that Thomas Jefferson woke up, had breakfast and coffee, and just wrote the Declaration of Independence right after breakfast. And by lunchtime, they assembled all these people together, and by that afternoon, they had all agreed, they had signed the Declaration of Independence on July 4, 1776, and By that evening, the message was to England, We're no longer a part of you. And England said okay, and we said good, and everything was just hunky-dory. That wasn't the way it was. No, that day began the beginning of a, a long, hard fight for independence. The Revolutionary War was long, brutal, and bloody. And by 1794, our nation was at its lowest point, much like today. Well, they were at our lowest point spiritually. We were spiritually bankrupt. The country was physically exhausted from fighting the Revolutionary War in that day, and now we're spiritually bankrupt and people are exhausted from fighting one another. <laughs> but in 1794, a national call to prayer was issued. It was sent out for all Americans to fast and pray on the first Monday of every month. And they were to ask God to move mildly. To ask God to move in a major big way in this nation. And Americans committed to do that on the first Monday of every month. Wow. Now, i tell you, I'd be the first to know that tomorrow would be a bad day for you to start. Because <laughs> I know y'all got them grills going. If you need any lessons, Misty's available to teach you how to do that, right? Burn your house down. But anyhow, uh, <laughs> Oh, today in America, we need God's presence more than ever before. And I believe as a body, and here's what I'd ask you to do. I'd ask you as a body to set aside time every day to talk to God. Oh, don't, don't let a day go without talking to God. But set aside some special time, maybe every Monday. That'd be a good time. Maybe every Monday that you'd set aside some special time to talk to God, and to ask him to bring help, hope, and healing to this country. Now, there's a lot of people that'll tell you, there's no use, preacher. Just give it up. It's bad. It's getting worse. It's gonna get worse. And there's nothing you can do. Your praying won't matter one bit. Oh, but I take another lesson from the pages of American history to say to you. That even if I didn't have a Bible to tell me otherwise, I could see from history where praying really matters. Because you know what happened? They started praying first Monday, 1794. They fasted and they prayed. And when they did, they continued to pray. And by 1800, the second great awakening was moving across this nation. I don't know about you, but I'd like to see another one. The second great awakening was moving. You say, well, how important was the second great awakening? Was the first one not good enough? You ever hear people say, Preacher, we don't need revival. Revival never lasts. You know what Billy Sunday said? He said, neither does a bath, but you need one every day. Amen? Now, Now listen to me. In 1800 the second great awakening was moving across this country and that is such a significant point in American history from a spiritual nature that 25 percent of all Americans came to know Christ during that awakening. 25 percent one fourth of all Americans came to know Jesus wouldn't it be something if 25 percent of people who don't know Jesus in America today came to know him in the next five years Golly. I know you're saying, it's useless. Y'all just need to give it up, pack it up. No, I'm not packing up, backing up, or smacking up until he takes me up. That's when I know it'll be over. But this great move of American history, you know why it came to be? It became a reality because God's people came together. See, in 1794, I bet they probably didn't have much to complain about, whether the pews were padded or the temperature was right or the, the they had hymns or a chorus or whether the words were in a book or on a screen. I mean, pe- we have found more stuff in the church in the 20th and 21st century to divide us and ever to unite us when God has called us to come together and realize that our is not each other, it's the devil. But this happened, the second great awakening happened, let me tell you why, because God's people said, it's not about me, it's all about you, and they came together around that purpose. He did it in the early 1800s, late 17th, early 1800s. You know what my prayer is? Lord, would you do it again? You may say there's no use, but I say to you, there is a cause. Do you know why? Because there are people that live in our city on our streets that if they died today they would go to hell and spend eternity separated from God that is my cause there are people in our churches today that are on our rolls that are members of churches but they're not that their names in our book but not in his book there is a cause you say how do I know well just based on behavior (laughs) amen behavior, did every time. I mean, I'm telling you, the proof's in the pudding is what you used to tell me. And if you really, really follow the Lord Jesus Christ, you really mean it with all your heart, that's what I was telling them earlier in the first service today. It breaks my heart and the biggest fear I have of this whole pandemic is that the church would get numb and callous and get used to not being around people and used to being separated from people and all this kind of stuff and used to all this stuff that divides us instead of realizing that through it all what God is doing is calling us to still be one in the faith and faith on him and say, Lord, do it again. Oh, my, how we need the Lord to do it again. Wouldn't it be something and you just think on this the rest of the day I hope. Wouldn't it be something if God used people small towns all across America just like ours to be people who just made one choice and that was to cry out to him to do it again. Wouldn't it be something if God answered those prayers as we ask? And I don't know why we get so shocked when he does, but we do. Wouldn't it be something if the fires of revival began to spring up all across this nation? Small towns just like ours. You know, in the big cities, they got some fires burning all right, don't they? Those are fires of destruction. Wouldn't it be something if God raised up remnants of people that fires of revival would be birthed again? in God blessed America. I want to ask you to join me in asking God to do it again. Pray with me. <clears throat> oh, Father, how we love you. How grateful we are for your grace. much we love your people because you loved us all first. Lord, thank you for your great servant, Daniel. Thank you for the words we read that challenge us to be more like you. Thank you for his testimony. How he set his face to. God, raise up a generation, is my prayer, that you would raise up a generation of people who would set their face toward you, who would cry out to you that you'd do it again. And when you start to do what we ask for, may we not be so amazed at your faithfulness. privilege to worship your people. Thank you for your word. May you be glorified. It's my most humble prayer. Christ's name, Amen and Amen. Hey, I want you to look this way for a minute too before we dismiss. Uh, As always, if there's anything we've talked about today that you want to talk about further, if God has spoken to you about anything you need help with, that's why we're here. We've all got our masks. I've got my tiger mask. carry it with me everywhere I go you never know when you're gonna need it never know what's out there never know what's next but uh if we can help you that's why we're here so don't don't be worried that you're gonna bother somebody that's why we're here and um, because your your spiritual needs are more important to me than anything right now secondly I'd encourage you I wanted to let you know too as I told them earlier uh, continue to be faithful your faithfulness is making a difference uh, we did get uh, back some communication from our partners in Utah this week. Talked with them by phone. I told you that they had put out a list of needs ahead for when they're able to start children's ministry in a new. let me Let me just share with you some more what I found out about the school that they're meeting in. You know, I told you it's a miracle that they're meeting in a school, a public school in Utah is allowing them to use their space for a Christian worship, evangelical worship service. Unbelievable. And found out even more the way that came into being is that This school, particular school is a charter school and it's not under the thumb of the Mormon church and uh, they can make up their own decisions and uh, we're letting God, uh, giving God glory for that. This school was able to uh, allow them to use their facilities because they weren't under the rule uh, that the other schools are. So God opened a door there when it looked like there was no way God made a way. They had some needs because the community building had all the stuff they had to get all stuff. And through your faithfulness to support missions and church planning in Utah, we were able to send the items on their list directly to them. Everything they had on the list was, it was about $300 worth, and our uh, missions budget was able to provide those needs for the children in Utah this week. You know, I'm just, I just praise God. You know, I really believe this. I really believe this with all my heart, that if we'll just do things the way God says, and if I'll just tell you, here's what the Lord said, if you'll be faithful to bring the tithe, that he'd fill our barns up. I mean, everything, I mean, vats would be overflowing, barns be overflowing. And if we'll just do it the way God says, I, we won't have to, you know, nickel and dime people's stuff. Or If we just do what God says, he'd give us more than we could give away. I just really believe that. And I know a lot of people say, I don't bear on no preachers wanting to give it. I'm not here for me. I'm here for the glory of God. I want to make a difference in this world. And I know you do too. And you made a difference in the lives of a bunch of kids in Utah this week that would have had no children's ministry supplies if they didn't have partners like you. And I'm so thankful for you. And I love you. And I bless the name of Jesus that we're, we're, we're involved in that type ministry. If you're going to really enjoy the Christian life, you're going to have to tie yourself to something bigger than you are. Amen? And you're going to have to do that. And God's doing that with the Heflin Baptist Church. So we were able to send those directly to them. They were so grateful and appreciative. The people, I mean, they can't say enough good things about y'all. And I brag on y'all. I never take credit for it. I never say you got this because of me. That's not true. You got this because of God and the faithfulness of his people. So do remember that. Remember that as we do that. So we're going to continue on. I just wanted you to have an update on that because God's doing some great things. And pray much right here in our local area. There's a lot of people afraid. And, you know, and I understand. I understand. When people get afraid, I don't throw rocks at them because I realize there's a lot of scary stuff out there. But I thank God that the Prince of Peace is in charge. Amen. I bless his name So do remember, let's continue to be faithful. They're offering buckets at both doors. You can use the online app, tithe.ly, or go to our website and access it that way. Either way is fine, or mail to PO Box 116. We are just grateful that God is continuing to use our people to be faithful so we can continue to impact the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Marty, you going to get back on the keyboard here and sing this little chorus? On the blood will never lose its power. Listen, when you leave out of here today, let's stand. When you leave here today, you just think about it. It doesn't matter what's on the news. It doesn't matter what's in the streets, crime rates, or whatever. This blood flows, it reaches the highest mountain, flows the lowest valley. You never, ever lose its power. God bless you. when you're ready.